oh, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Now you can imagine that I'm doubly excited today because we have boys on the show. That's right. We have real men that bake. Hello, welcome. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you for the most fabulous introduction. That was wonderful. I'm so fabulous. I probably didn't even mention your names, but here we are. See again, somebody stay with me. As you already can tell, Cindy keeps the train on the tracks. Otherwise, we'd already be at the brick wall. Now, our guests today are Paul Arguin and Chris Taylor of Fabulous Modern Cookies. If you don't know them, they also had an extraordinary book on pies, okay, that was nominated. Say the name of your pie. The New Pie, Modern Techniques for the Classic American Dessert. I loved it. If anybody remembers, it was an IACP nominated book. Um, when it came out, I loved the cover. I didn't know you guys then, but I feel like this second book, I can't, it came to us, of course, you guys, people, most of our listeners either have been members of IACP. They know that IACP is an incredible you know, organization of food women, mostly women, but thank God some men, we've gotten some men to join. So today we're talking about fabulous modern cookies. Now, what is more synonymous other than white wine with women than cookies? <laughs> okay, I yeah. what, nothing, answer, see, or maybe therapy, but this is, this is such an important book. So what I want to talk to you two about, one, your science backgrounds. You have to tell us about that. And please tell us how you got together to do this. Do you know what I mean? How did you, did, how did you realize that we needed this cookbook? Sure. So I'll start. This is Paul. I am, um, yeah, I'm a infectious disease physician, actually. I did my whole career at the Centers for Disease Control uh, until I retired in 2019. Um, yeah, so I, for uh, the longest while, I was your chief malaria doctor uh, here for the United States. Yes. Um, very impressive. I'm only laughing because I'm, I'm hysterical with your credentials. <laughs> yeah. And then Chris also works at Centers for Disease Control. Yeah. So I have a, I have a PhD in epidemiology. Um, you know, I, I like to say I have, I have a, I have a side gig in public health, but obviously um, I, I love baking as well. Um, and we got together, um, we had a friend who introduced us, we both liked to bake. Um, and then we got together and we just kept on baking. I love it. There are, I see, I happen to believe that the, there is fate in this world. People describe it at different things. I think you're supposed to meet the people you're supposed to meet. I think that there are purposes for all of us. Do you know what I mean? So I think even though you both have had incredible careers, I think this could be your highest purpose. <laughs> okay, let's prioritize. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's funny, we, we can bring those backgrounds that we have from both medicine, from uh, from science, because it um, those, the training that you, you do to get into those careers, it sort of trains your brain how to think, how to attack problems. Um, and that's what a lot of um, recipe development and, and baking recipes are all about. If, if you've ever, I don't know, uh, baked anything, take a, a cake, a bread, a cookie, pie, and you've encountered a problem, we like to take a, a pause and say, well, well, why doesn't this work sometimes? And we and you figure out what are the key elements that can cause it to fail. 
and how are ways that we can make it even better, uh, both to uh, produce the, the result that you want, as well as to make it taste better, um, uh, combine new and interesting flavors. And, and we spend a lot of time thinking about these things and applying those to pies and now cookies. The book, So When People, the book, of course, is for sale everywhere. What Paul just mentioned is when you get to peruse the book, our listeners, they have titles like The Building Blocks of Cookie Baking, The Philosophy of a Cookie, which is so dear to my heart. Because you <laughs> see, I have to tell you something, not to be morbid, but if you were dying with malaria, you'd really want a cookie, wouldn't you? <laughs> Come on. I don't know if that would be at the top of my list, but it would be on there. Well, okay. Then there's a whole section. You guys cover flowers and sugar. And I, one of my favorite, which is in the beginning, which is in great cookbooks. You know why I say this is that, and I know you two know this as modern authors, as cookbooks went into celebrity um real celebrity train of cookbooks. Mm -hmm. They took all those things out. Do you know what I mean? Publishers took out plain old how to roast meat. Do you know what I mean? What temperature? Yeah. What kind of sheet pan should I buy? They took that away because it wasn't so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem with baking is, uh, which what, there's several reasons here, and you guys tell me, people are afraid to bake because they do have, Paul, as you just said, disasters, and they don't know how to correct them. Okay, yeah. but this is my favorite. A note on removing sugar you have in a bright purple box in the, and I know that you really could have used stronger language, but your editor cleaned this up because, <laughs> because of all the purpose that sugar and other sweeteners have, and there are several, reducing sugar in a recipe is not something that we recommend. Now that's beautifully said. I don't, and you tell us why, People don't know that sugar is more than just a sweetener in a recipe. Oh, absolutely. It provides structure. It provides browning. Uh, depending on um, uh, how it's being used, um, it can, uh, when you're uh, uh, beating it into to butter, to cream it, it creates all these little air pockets. Sugar does so many things for the recipe that simply saying, well, I'm just going to swap it out for honey because that's who I am. Or, or I'm going <laughs> to cut it in half. Right. We One of the biggest comments we get from people is saying, I don't eat too many baked goods or, or I'm not going to have a cookie. I don't like things so sweet. And I'm like, I don't think anybody like things that sweet, but I think as, as our culture, I think we've gotten away from a tradition of home baking. I think people rely a lot more on um, baked goods from, for example, grocery stores, yes. which are, you know, we always like to say, and this is something we learned at the national pie championship. It might not be right for your table, but it's right for someone's table. So I'm not going to rag on, grocery store baking but it's it can be very different from home baking because there's preservatives and sugar can act as a preservative so they do tend to be sweeter and if that's what you're used to you think oh this is too sweet but not all baking is too sweet if you know how to balance the flavors with the sugar and the baking and all that you can make it work but i think we've we've gotten away from that a little bit yeah this now i have to tell you i don't know if you gentlemen know dear friend of mine is diane jacob oh, yeah. Diane, good Okay, we've been friends forever. Now here's the gig. She had this, her newsletter is fabulous by the way, but she had a whole thing on called season to taste. Mm -hmm. 
And she was calling all recipe developers. It has to be exact measurements and stuff. Now, in some things, I think that's absolutely the truth. But see, when you were just saying that, Chris, I have to tell you, when I get berries and I go to make a pie or apples and I go to make a pie, mm -hmm. I have a pretty good feeling. I bake from the size of the dish, okay? <laughs> I know how about eight apples are gonna fill my casserole dish. But I've been cooking for 40 years and I was a caterer where that's how you filled the 200 pan. Mm -hmm. Okay, you needed to know how much topping you were gonna need for the crumb from, to fill the 200 pan. But I really depend on the flavor of things. So I use brown sugar in a, you know, an apple pie and I'll add a little vanilla or more cinnamon, but I'm really tasting that apple even before it bakes because, and I'll know if it's too sweet or not sweet enough, but we've lost those techniques. Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Like we've lost really common sense and the fact that you have to really kind of practice baking. Yes. Exactly. In fact, this came up with the pie book because in our pie book, we have a recipe for what we call a foolproof pie crust dough. That, and we recommend people weigh your flour, weigh your water. Um, and, and people will say, well, that seems too fussy. My grandmother made pies every day and she didn't have to weigh anything. She knew it by feel. And I'm like, I'm sure she did, but you don't make a pie every day. So you don't know. So we give you the, the measurements. Right. <laughs> when my Italian grandmother in San Francisco I'd be at her house. I was trying to learn to make her raviolis, okay? Mm. And by the way, they've never gotten to be as good as hers, but I'm close. And my two si sisters, the witches, will sit there at the dining room. I didn't say that. One of my sisters listened. I love you too much, Anne. But I've made them, you know, you only, it only takes me 50 hours to make these raviolis. Yeah. And they looked at me and said, not as good as peanuts. Well, I know that too, because yeah. my, my grandmother used to look out the window of her apartment to see how much fog had come in before she was rolling out her the pasta, okay, mm -hmm. for the raviolis, wow. because the moisture in the air. And what you just said, Chris, if you make a pie every two or three days, you get a feel for it. If you only make a pie for the first time in your life, yeah, you need your foolproof pie dough. Yeah, yeah. And if, if I may, please, I, I bet your grandmother was a fantastic person. Yes, but yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take exception to the okay. fog story. Yeah. So in fact, yeah. So this is something uh, that it, it's it's been mentioned for decades over and over again. Uh, there's a belief that actually humidity in the air can affect your flour. Okay. Um, so we didn't think that was true. Okay. And we were getting ready to actually conduct the experiments ourselves to prove that it wasn't true. And then we found uh, this wonderful food scientist who'd already done it and published oh. the paper. Yeah, and so in fact, under very lab controlled uh, conditions, um, flour, uh, once you mill the grain, the wheat, okay, it'll absorb yeah, because I mean, we're all the relative on, humidity. Exactly. We're yeah. all on planet Earth. So it'll absorb a little bit of water and then it kind of stops there. And then you really would have to be at the extremes of the planet. So somewhere with truly like the, the high desert where it's absolutely zero humidity or uh, the Amazon rainforest. But when you draw the, the actual curve, if you were to graph how much water flour can absorb and release out of the air, the, the curve flattens between, you know, 10% and 90% humidity. So the, the range where all of us live, even if you're in Arizona or you're in um, wherever, Puerto Rico, okay. um, 
it cannot on a day-to-day basis change like that. And so that's, it's, I know it's, it, it, it's striking because you've, you've heard it over and over again. Yes. And, and, but if you, if you actually simply just weigh your flour and weigh your water, um, you'll get exactly where you need to go for something as, as finicky as pie dough. Cookies, fortunately, are much easier. They're a yes. lot more forgiving. Um, and so uh, even though we still encourage precision, um, uh, it, it, for something like pastry, that's where it really matters. And I can make a pie dough. In fact, we've done it. We've done it in the Caribbean. Uh, we've done it in the, in, the you know, in, in all different conditions. And if you, if you actually weigh those ingredients, um, the weather has no effect. Okay. How about I'm that? I'll tell you two things. One, I'm glad she's dead. So she, <laughs> couldn't, she couldn't hear what you just said. And two, maybe she was just a controlling bitch and was trying to make <laughs> Maybe she just wanted to keep that job and didn't want to share with me. Okay. Everyone needs a purpose. You know? you know what? I guess she didn't like me horning in on that. Okay. <laughs> now, I get what you were saying, and I think you're, I didn't know that, so thank you. Yeah. And only because, and but when you said about pastry, I agree. When I first started to make pie dough, my pie dough has gotten better because Cindy taught me, because Cindy's grandmother made pies and sold them at Venice Beach and yeah. to restaurants and makes beautiful pies. I learned, but and you guys don't shame me, and then we're gonna talk about the mag magic of cookies because you said it, they're more forgiving. I, you know, it's the easiest pie dough I've ever learned and pretty foolproof to me. I go right to the Crisco and I use half Crisco, half butter because I like the texture and the flavor I get, but it does, you can't over process it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I have made all butter pie doughs and worked it too much and it's come out tough. We agree. Our go-to pie crust is like two thirds butter, one third Crisco. And we coat the, the flour okay. with the Crisco first. It, it's a lot better. All right. I'm going to have to I'll look for your recipe of that or if not by the pie book. Um, thank you for not shaming me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Crisco is one of those words like Velveeta. Yeah, that if you're in the food, you know what I mean? You're stoned. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a vegetable oil is what it is that's been hydrogenated so that it's yeah, so the properties of it in terms of how it, uh, the temperature at which it melts and, and, and solidifies is fantastic for pie dough. In fact, yeah. Um, interestingly, for people who still have, um, I don't know, uh, get the willies about using Crisco, um, if they want to use something a little bit more natural, um, leaf lard, um, uh, so not, not the regular shelf-stable lard, but if you can get like rendered leaf lard from your, from a butcher, um, that has a similar set of properties to Crisco. Um, and it, uh, being that it's um, a, a very, very pure fat, it is a pork fat, of course, so if, if you have issues with that. Um, but um, it's um, there's there's really not much uh, pork flavor in there at all, so it's perfect for sweet pies. Got it. Okay, such an excellent tip. Now let's talk about why cookies are more are a little more forgiving, and what when you put the word modern in, which I got because I got to peruse the book. Tell me, what were you looking to achieve? So uh, a couple things of what. So sort of our approach to baking is several things. So we like to look to see, are there problems that we have in baking or that we know other people are having in baking? So if there are, can we get to the, the bottom of those problems and help people prevent them from happening? Um, we also like to um, improve on yeah. several things. The first of which is flavor. Uh, and we, we, we say in both of our books that 
you know, we America especially has a great tradition of home baking. And there are, you know, Paul grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, but we grew up with similar cookies. We had lemon bars and chocolate chip cookies. There's yeah. sort of this, you know, consciousness um, with many people in America as it relates to cookies. And it's a lot of the same cookies, but also some of these cookies recipes, they haven't changed in 50, 60 years. And it's like, well, can we make a better chocolate chip cookie? Can we improve on the peanut butter cookie? There's nothing wrong, but why we should be doing something different. Um, and so that's that's another one of our approaches is we really like to see what can we look at in the modern pantry, in the global pantry, um, with the, with the with the flavors that are available to us now, with techniques and equipment, what can we do to improve the cookie? And I and I think that was really one of our big focuses. Yeah, I'd like to add another thing we like to do is to uh, come up with new flavor combinations. Um, I, I I liken it to sort of building a symphony, so that as you're as you're putting the different flavor elements together, how can you make this cookie a little bit more interesting? Or or if you've if you've had a lemon bar and you think, well, what what could possibly be different about a lemon bar? Thinking about different ways to add in something something fun that you haven't seen before, so that it keeps it exciting and fresh. I and modern. Yes, I love that. I worked when I was in catering and then Cindy and I worked with a lot of celebrities, mm -hmm. a lot. Now, the reason I say that is when people have three, four, five homes in different parts of the world and are calling you from their private jets, when Christmas would come along and we wanted to give them a Christmas present, it was almost always either fudge, lemon bars or brownies because Nobody wants to turn down a handmade lemon bar. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? People say they don't like chocolate, want a brownie. So uh, those things, when you mention them as classics, I think that the memories that you have, whether you're, the memories you have, and hopefully you've gotten to taste handmade ones. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Or homemade ones. Um, but to find new flavor profiles for these things is exciting. How long does it take? How long did it take you to write this book, gentlemen? Um, so the, the the book contract itself was a was almost a year, but we had so um, when we were you know for years what we've done is because it's just the two of us um, yeah. and we so we bake and we would bring it into people at work, um, but eventually they start to get tired of that as <laughs> start fitting tighter and things like that. Um, and so we started doing um, competitive baking just at like local state agricultural fairs and living down here in Georgia. So smart. Um, it's a great way. And it's a great way to practice. So it was really a great way for us to like develop new recipes, try them out. We can test them. And then, you know, you can take them and nominally you, you would get an award if other people thought it was any good. And so we sort of had a, a, a catalog of some recipes that we worked on over the years that we knew like, oh, the judges really responded well to this. We got some really good feedback on this. People at work really liked it. Um, so we were able to sort of start there. And then we're constantly keeping lists of, oh, would this work in a cookie? What about this flavor combination? We'll go out and have a cocktail somewhere and go, oh, that was a really good flavor. Could we put this in a cookie? Could we put this in a pie? And so then we go to that, we get a book contract then and we'll go to that list and say like, okay, finally, this is our chance to try strawberry rhubarb in a cookie. This is our chance to finally do something with mango. Um, you know, so we, just, we sort of have a, a, a library in a way. It's true. I mean, we find inspirations everywhere. So in the grocery store, farmer's markets, and yes, Chris said, if we're in you know, 
eating a savory meal at a restaurant and go, oh, okay, can we pull out the the cherry and you know whatever, like the, the other, the little elements here that could make a fantastic cookie. Yeah. Now I want cookies. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> and then for a moment there, I wanted vodka, just so you know, that's another story. Now, in the back of your book, which I loved, you had all sorts of resources for people. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, uh, this is a wonderful, pumpkin spice latte thumbprints. That sounds divine. And, what a, and the pictures in your book are also beautiful, gentlemen, and is so helpful to people. Do you know what I mean? So helpful to people. Um, there's also, when people go to your website, I hope they'll see the picture of you with about 10,000 cookie cutters behind you, because that was adorable. Thank you, That we were really proud of that photo. What do you think, I know you've already mentioned, and I read this in your book, weighing ingredients. See, now this is hard. I, I knew how to weigh ingredients because I went to culinary school. Do you know what I mean? And they put us in pastry and they showed us the scales and said, and I was a, I was a home baker before that. I had no idea that I should be using a pastry scale or to weigh mm -hmm. my flour, I should say, mm -hmm. until I got to school. I, but then when I wanted one at home, I found an inexpensive, like it was only 10 or $14 scale that mm -hmm. I've been able to use for baking. What do you think about that as digital? Are those good enough for people to buy? Yeah, yeah. And the, the price has really come down yes. over the past decade or two. So I think I think a $15 scale is, is just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to encourage people further, it's not only the precision that you get from a scale in baking, uh, it really makes your life so much easier. Uh, so just for example, um, let's say you're trying to measure out molasses. Um, oh, and it's like, peanut butter. Yeah. And so <laughs> if, if, yeah, our recipes will tell you, so it's going to be a quarter cup of molasses, um, or we'll give you the exact weight of how much it is. So if you're doing it, you could actually pour your molasses into the measuring cup, and then it's you know sticking and not coming out, and you're scraping it out and scraping it off of the rubber spatula. It's dripping onto your hand. It's all over the countertop now. And now I have to clean up all of these things just to measure that out. Instead, I could have just put my bowl on the scale, gently poured my, my sticky molasses right into the bowl, and stopped when I reached... 100 grams or whatever whatever the actual amount is it's so easy okay now i think i'm gonna have to call you mr smarty pants because, <laughs> because you are correct this you know one of the lovely things having worked in worked in commercial kitchens or worked in commercial bakeries people don't realize a trick like that it saves you so much trouble yeah. yeah, that's it. It just and it makes it fun then. And then your product turns out and you don't have that terrible. Um, I know for me, I don't bake a lot. We baked for other people. Do you know what I mean? We had to because we were doing their TV appearances and stuff. So we baked for other people. But sometimes to me on a cold afternoon, like I did yesterday, I made a pumpkin bread that I've made for a thousand years. It's a quick bread, but I added dark chocolate chips to it. And my house smelled so delicious. And I ate a big piece in the middle of the day and it was kind of drizzly out. And I thought, oh my God, I'm just a genius. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because there was so much comfort in that warm bread. And I get, and you know what else? I had a very, uh, but I was having a lot of stress yesterday. Nothing to do with, just to do with my family. <laughs> a reoccurring theme. And by baking that bread, I let go of 
all the negative stuff I was feeling and all I was doing was whisking some stuff in a bowl. It's amazing to me how therapeutic baking can be. And I, that's why when people say to me, oh, I hate to bake or it never turns out or whatever, I feel badly for them because I think, I think to myself, it's so therapeutic. Oh, it is. Yeah. So if you, if they get some nice, reliable recipes, such as in fabulous modern cookies, yes. but yeah, you, you fill the house with this wonderful aroma, depending on, on which one you're doing. So it can smell like, you know, you know gingerbread or, you know, you know apples. Uh, you know, there's so many of them that uh, when, when we're baking them, you know, let's say if I'm downstairs baking and Chris is upstairs, he can go, Oh, is that maple and walnut? Oh, that smells incredible. Yeah. yeah. When you guys, what do you think? So when you've been out on tour, I love the fact that you went to county fairs or sit, you know, country fairs and people yeah. taste your product. When you look at commercial products today, if you're buying something, what do you think is a great brand that people know about, that do or don't know about? I mean, I'm just curious because I have favorites. If I'm not going to bake something, do you know what I mean? It's like going to your favorite bakery. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I know it's sort of not pre-made, but I know Ghirardelli brownie mix, I think is top of the line as yep. far as brownie mixes. I um, agree. Those are really good. Um, ooh. It, do, do, do you guys have Whole Foods? Yes. What's your best? Yes. Whole Foods is some of their product in the pre-made bakery or cookies are absolutely delicious. And some of them taste like the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> but I'm always looking for, but I don't think there is a way to beat a homemade chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. I don't think you can buy one that's as good as you can make. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've been racking my brain. Trader Joe's has a delicious oh. ginger snap. Yes. Um, okay. Oh yeah. And if after I just said that, if you can get Trader Joe's when they have their bigger, there's only about 10 in a package, chocolate chip cookies. That's the best purchased chocolate chip cookie I've ever bought. Oh, okay. okay. Keep an eye out for those. I haven't yeah. seen those. And their ginger snaps are delicious. And some of their biscotti is pretty good too. Do you know what I mean? Some okay. of their biscotti is pretty good. Okay. Well, now that we've trashed everyone else we could think of. <laughs> I said anything. Have I said anything wrong, Cindy? No, Cindy hasn't cut me off, so we must be all right. Good, all right. Good. Gentlemen, what else have you got coming up with this? Will you have anything on the, you, I know you've already been to Omnivore Books. Will mm -hmm. you be, um, you've been on several podcasts. So should people keep in touch with you by going to your website or your Facebook page? Yeah, I'd say Facebook or Instagram. Um, both of those, we're at our, our handle is our three favorite ingredients at flour, sugar, butter. I know that because I looked you up. <laughs> Flour, sugar, butter. And do you take special, do you do some baking for people, you guys? Do you do special orders for people at all? Or are you just sticking to cookbooks right now? I mean, if somebody came to you and said, Prince Charles wants cookies, would you send them cookies? <laughs> oh, absolutely. If if, if, the, if the royal family comes a knocking, we will answer. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Because yeah. they can afford the FedEx bill. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, so we have been operating a, um, commercial bakery actually in our, in our home. Um, we we're lucky to have a terrace level walkout kitchen. So it's commercially inspected by the department of agriculture, three compartment sink, um, commercial fridge and freezer, all that, um, serve safe certifications. Um, and so we've actually been able to work with a small specialty food store 
um, near us uh, to sell decorated cookies. Um, Paul actually um, has been really successful with um, some of the shortbreads. Oh, I actually, love that. recipes that are in the book. Oh, they wanted something that. to sell. Like people come in and get coffee. They're like, Do you, can you give us some little shortbread cookies? Because people always look for little snacks. We can't keep them in stock. We, we sell them in four flavors, vanilla, lemon, chocolate, and almond. Um, constantly remaking them for them. And it, so it's just us. So it's in small batches and everything. And it's it's great. I mean, we're not going to become millionaires from it, but it, it's yeah. good to know that people really like it. You know what? I don't think most people go into food to become millionaires, seriously. And I don't think, you know, or or to write cookbooks either. Do you know what I mean? And of course, right now, Martha Stewart is probably going, (laughs) 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 bad idea, aim a higher bitch. But good for you and how exciting and congratulations. Now, when Miss Cindy broadcasts this gentleman, I want you to know we put everything about you, your pictures, the cover of your book and where they can reach you and, and where they can reach out to you. So if they have any questions, I cannot think, I know how busy you are. I can't thank you enough for your time today. Now I want the, our, our audience to know that we are gonna do a second podcast with Paul and Chris, and we're gonna talk about, so that it'll probably appear afterwards, holiday baking like things that would be great cookies to give as gifts or, you know, how to package them. Of course, now, of course, I'm tongue tied because I can't think of anything but the shortbread. (laughs) But I I don't have an eating disorder. Okay. (laughs) But thank you so much for your time today. What did not, is there anything else you want to share that I didn't um, ask you? I guess I would just add, there's so many exciting flavors of cookies uh, that I would encourage people to uh, flip through the book. Uh, uh, One more thing I would add, in the back of the book, uh, we have um, a flavor index. And so what the flavor index is all about, um, when we were organizing the book, we kept going back and forth. Should we like put all the chocolate cookies together, put all the lemon cookies together? And then we thought, no, it would make a lot more sense to organize them by type of cookies. So we have bar cookies, drop cookies, because then at the start of every chapter, we can talk about techniques uh, for that style of cookie. But that's where the flavor index got uh, developed. So in the back, if let's say you're really in the mood for some chocolate and maybe specifically chocolate caramel or chocolate with nuts, um, or maybe you have a whole lot of oranges you want to use up for some reason. But if you look at the flavor index, you, you can look by the flavor profile, including flavor profile combinations. So you can go, oh, this is what I want. Oh, it, it happens to be a slice and bake cookie. And then there you are making your orange or your uh, grapefruit rosemary cookies. Um, yeah. How perfect. How lovely. You've thought of everything, gentlemen. We try. <laughs> yeah, I know I can tell you did. Thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to speaking to you again. And again, Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Today we talked about fabulous modern cookies with Paul and Chris. And gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. If you want to reach out to Cindy and I, you contact us at womenbeyond at icloud.com. Cindy takes any negative comments because she's because she's a nicer person than I am and I could strike out and say something horrible. So anyway, thank you all. Thanks for listening. Thank you gentlemen for coming today. You're the best and so much success to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. This is a hoot.